0: Hello and welcome to So What You're Saying Is. I'm Peter Whittle. Now, we are certainly living in times where all masculinity appears to be toxic certainly men appear to be attacked from many different sides. But what does it really mean to be a man in the 21st century? How can men lead meaningful lives? Well, that's the subject of a new book, The Seven Ages of Man, How to Live a Meaningful Life. The author is my guest today, James Innes smith who is a journalist for such publications as the guardian the spectator the times numerous publications thank you very very much for coming in uh james um i found this i found this fascinating and timely but i wonder why why did you decide to write it now
1: well actually it's been quite a long time um in the making actually it's gone through various stages at first it was called the war on masculinity and that was about came up with the idea about two and a half years ago, just around the time that Jordan Peterson was sort of making headway That's right. and um, it, it was very much of its time, I think that there was that there was all that stuff going on after me too and and I think gradually it just sort of shifted really as that sort of blew over a bit and I thought well let 's broaden it out a bit to talk about well you know. What what can men do to to improve their lot, rather than merely focusing on how things are going wrong or how masculinity has become toxic and all these sort of negative things? How, mm. how can men actually live more fulfilling lives, and what do they need to do in order to 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 achieve that?
0: But you see, yes, uh, and therefore it's being very constructive and yeah. positive. But in a way, why do you think we arrived at that situation? I mean, when you say. Everything has been negative. Obviously, it appears to me that it has, mm. but why did we arrive at that situation? How?
1: Um, I think we um, I think we were looking for blame. I think I think Me Too was certainly a very important moment uh, and, it, and I but I think it was a very specific moment to do with actual people doing actual harm And I think what happened is it broadened out it became very politicized and I think um the feminist sort of side got on board, and it all became a bit sort of blamey and and men as a sort of as a sort of entity yeah. suddenly were under the ma- microscope and not very flatteringly i mean I, I don't I don't go along with this idea that a poor old men you know they're under attack uh, necessarily because I think you know I think some of some of that stuff about weinstein you know was it needed to be called out, and it was very mm. timely, and, and I'm, I'm glad that it, it was. But I think what happened, it, 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 it sort of turned into something much more toxic, <laughs> to use a mm. phrase, which I think has separated the sexes. It's, 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 it's formed a barrier, um, which I think has, has opened up, mm. and it, it has divided the genders, the sexes, and I think it's very sad.
0: Do you, do you feel it from, men you speak to friends whatever do they do you feel that they feel they're in crisis
1: um yes quietly though they don't shout about it i think there's a lot of that sort of quiet desperation amongst a lot of men of, of all ages actually we, we tend to think about young men and mental health issues and all that but i think middle-aged men certainly and older men you know they, the generations have become quite split i think um mm-hmm. And I think in the book, I try to to break it down into all the different sections of life. So I've got, you know, we start with childhood, we go to adolescence, middle age, I talk about work and then old age and legacy. So each act of life, I suppose, has its own challenges. So I wanted to try and, you know, distill those and give men an idea of how they can sort of navigate their way through all the trials and tribulations.
0: It's based actually on Shakespeare's Seven Ages of Man,
1: yeah. obviously the title suggests,
0: but as you were saying there, it's, it's actually sort of almost, it's like a hybrid of a self-help book, would you call it? That's a very derogatory thing, um, although, isn't it?
1: Yes, I suppose, I suppose it is. It's, um, it's more of a manifesto or, or a, a, something that you can, you can refer to. Um, it's, it's, it doesn't offer miracle cures, <laughs> it's not in that respect, but it's, it's more of a sort of um, a gentle reminder of all the sort of things that we have clung to in the past institutions such as marriage and the nuclear family things which have now in themselves become politicized which were not political at all to 30, happen, can you explain
0: ago. when you say they've been politicized give us an example well
1: this. for instance um i think something like marriage or the nuclear family for instance have very much become the, the the domain of the right for some reason that you know it's 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 thought of as being reactionary if you if you stand up for the nuclear family or for um, traditional marriage um, whereas that was never the case before it yeah. was just it was it was a sort of good template by which you could live your life and if if you decided it wasn't for you then that was fine I, um, but I think it's important to realise that you can ava- you can you can be for something but not necessarily be against other things. So you can be for traditional marriage or the nuclear family, but that doesn't mean you hate single mothers or you, you have it in for, for same-sex marriage. Mm. And I think the, the problem has been that if you take a side, you're automatically against the other side, which I, I think in itself is very, is very difficult because it means people can't stand up for traditions or foundations, which for centuries have been the building blocks of our society.
0: But when you say they've been politicised, it's not, they just didn't, it just didn't happen kind of organically. You could say it was deliberate, surely? I mean, when when you say people are, you said that people are not necessarily put immediately into opposition with single-sex marriages, or. Mm. but that's the way it's been framed, isn't it?
1: Yes, I think there was a case today, actually, of a a chap who... um, who, a Christian man, who who's, who's, who's said online or something that, that he was for the, the, the best way to bring up children was within the nuclear family. And he got pilloried and he's lost his job and various, you know, he's been sort of demonized for holding that position. Interestingly, he never at one point at any point said, I'm against same-sex marriage. He said it was, you know, within his religion, this is th- these were the tenets of his religion. Mm. That doesn't necessarily mean he's going to go out and, you know, uh, be cruel to same-sex couples or, or single mothers. Yeah. So we've sort of, we've got muddled up with positions which there should be no problem with holding, which have suddenly become tied up with sort of right-wing thinking or left-wing thinking, which they sh- there was no need for that, I think. Um,
0: yeah, It was my, all of my perceptions of over the past three, you know, three decades or so that even though one doesn't want to think in these left-right terms mm. um, it was the left on the whole who were sort of attacking these things actually. I mean you know that, that when they were standing up for certain minority rights it was more about the attack mm. on the other things that mattered. Mm. Would you agree with that?
1: Yes I think, I think, well I suppose they wanted to bring about Equality. And in order to do that, they sort of got into the mindset that you had to somehow undermine the, um, the predominant culture because it, it, it felt a bit like sour grapes that maybe that predominant culture had had, had it good for too long and maybe yeah. it was time for a change and that, you know, why shouldn't minorities become more of a domin- dominant factor? which I kind of understand, but it's, it's a mean-spirited way of, of finding equality. And I think equality of opportunity and, and that we allow people to flourish in whatever field they want to and in whichever sort of lifestyle they want to, that has to be as, mu- as far as it goes. To then start to criticise or critique the dominant culture feels to me, as you say, like... Um, um, <sighs> it's a, another toxic way of of dealing with something which should be about bringing people together
0: do you think that this kind of void you talk in the book because you you relate the point is you relate individual lives to the culture outside of course do you think that the void in meaning which many people might not even be conscious of uh, they might be unconsciously aware of it is it mostly to do with the decline or absence of religion, do you think, now?
1: I, th- I think that's certainly added to the problem, for sure, mm. yeah. Um, and even if you, I mean, I talk about it in the book, even if you aren't, uh, if you haven't bought into the, you know, the, the Christian faith, we are imbued by its values as a society. its It's been the, f- the foundation of many of our institutions and our moral sensibilities for for a long time, I mean, for centuries and I think when you, when you remove that, that fundamental basis people become confused, they become lost, they forget about what those foundations were and why they were important and suddenly people are feeling unmoored from, mm. from things which only very recently were considered um, as I said before, they weren't political at all. They were just merely the foundations from which we could live our lives.
0: How would you say, James, that you, what has given meaning to your life?
1: Well, I, was, I came very late to marriage, actually, and to family. I've just had a kid. Um, well, and, yes, um, last and week, but yes, last week. Yes, in Correctly. middle age. And um, it's bringing me a lot of joy, which I, I've always been slightly ambivalent about marriage and family, and I'm absolutely thrilled, it's, it's, it's give, it really does suddenly give you a purpose in life beyond the self, and I think mm. that is one of the problems we've had in our society, is we've become about, uh, about, about me rather than the broader society. We, sort of radical autonomy took over, I think probably yeah. in the last 30 or 40 years, whereby it was all about the self. Um, self-fulfillment would bring us happiness and fulfillment, happiness and meaning, Um, which was never gonna be the case. I'm still still amazed that we follow that path Mm. to meaning because it's proved time and time again throughout generations that it it, it never ends well uh, if you just focus on the self. Mm. At the same time, obviously, we've had this sort of move to tribalism whereby we identify as groups, very sort of tight groups. That, I think, has also um, made us lose sight of that deeper sense of belonging, Mm. and culture, and society, and that we're all in this together, and that life is fragile. We're all terrified creatures looking for purpose. And if you start, if you either go into the self and go, well, it's just about me, Mm. and I'm going to achieve what I need, sod everyone else, that's one way. And if you go into the tribal way, that's also destructive because you're saying, well, you know, it's, it's my tribe and the other tribes are, are insignificant. It's, it's about achieving um, a sense of pride for, for my little group. Mm. Now, Roger Scruton did talk about the little battalions where, you know, which I do find is a good way to live a meaningful life. If you, you know, and that starts with family, it starts in small communities where people are looking out for each other. And again, I think we've lost that sense of looking out for each other on a, on a, small, in a small scale, but it, it, it widens out into the broader community and, and, and gives us all a sense of purpose and meaning and coming together.
0: I think the thing is, it's interesting though, because I, I feel that you said we've lost it. I mean, I would say that on the part of some people, they positively rejected it. Yeah there's this sort of feeling particularly you hit you get it in cities yes um of sort of somehow i am so special that mm. if i anchor myself in one particular place that somehow is provincial it's mm. it's going to restrict me do you recognize that as a picture? oh definitely
1: yes i do and um I, I, yeah it's this sort of terror of, of in cities of, of bourgeois provincialness mm. Um, and they, but they forget that, actually, if you do go to the, the country or the, the village life, okay, it's not as exciting as the city, but it certainly has its benefits in as much as people really do look out for each other. I mean, I've, I've lived sort of half my time in Suffolk on the coast in a, ver- in a very small village, and it's kind of a relief going back there after London because you feel that you're sort of all there there's as a, as a, as that sense of community and the word community is chucked around a lot now and but it's I think it's lost a lot of its meaning because it's often used to describe vast tracts of uh, you know the, the the LGBT community or the, the, mm. the BAME community mm. but I don't think you can make those people into a, a homogenous community they are well they would agree with you I think all yes the yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: Do you, um, do you sort of feel as well that some wider sense, as you put it, like feeling passionate about something outside yourself, or, or in fact, you know, something outside yourself is meaningful to you, whether it's your family or not, do you think it can be achieved um, by, for example, politics? You know, if, if you are very, very... I mean, I've always found that it's people who do things very, very well and care about something outside themselves, is always a very attractive trait, hmm. you know. Do you think politics can do that?
1: Um, possibly, if, you're, if, you're, if your heart's in the right place. Yeah. Um, I'm not one of these people who dismisses all politicians as being sort of psychotic, mm. you know, sort of, yeah. um, But, but, but uh, I think it, y- y- you can veer off that path quite easily because of the power. But I think uh, if, if, you're, if you genuinely want to change the world, I mean, there, there's not much more meaning than that. Mm-hmm. I mean, to actually genuinely want to change people's lives for the better, to achieve a more equitable society uh, in, a, in a realistic way, not in any sort of utopian way, then I think absolutely. And, I, and, and also what you say about having something outside yourself, uh, 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 even just something as simple as a hobby. I mean, mm-hmm. I talk about it in the book, Just just you know to have something that you can focus your mind on that takes you out of the self mm. because we get so tied up in our own needs and wants and desires and it can drive us mad if we don't have something other than that to to, to focus on
0: I mean so in this you know you you with each as you say you go through childhood adolescence relationships middle age old age which I didn't read. Mm, of course, <laughs> uh, you'll <because> get it. <laughs> no, no, couldn't bear to. Um, the thing is, is the throughout you give quite practical advice as well. Mm. I mean, like you just said, get a hobby. This sort of did remind me rather of Jordan Peterson's Twelve Rules for mm. Life. You know, when he said to, basically, I'd, was that actually aimed at men? I think it was aimed at people. It was people, it? yeah. But but most of his audience. Would, good man, yeah, I think. Yeah. But it was like clear your room up, wasn't it? It was yes. do those sorts of things yeah. before you start telling people what to do. Yes. And I mean, would you say like, for example, to an adolescent, uh, don't give in to, say, Instagram, don't give in <laughs> yeah. to narcissism?
1: Yeah, would I'm quite think? clear on that, actually. Um, uh, I advise parents just to not give their children, uh, not allow their children onto social media and to avoid giving them um, smartphones and, mm. and, and pads because, uh, for as long as possible, because I think they need to experience the real world before they start getting tied into the sort of virtual world, which, is, which although is on the surface very wide, because you can access the entire world, is very narrow because you, you focus down and you, you, kids especially, they start to become very isolated, I think, in a way, mm. and they don't see their friends as much. They don't get outside, they don't breathe the fresh air and explore the world. All those things that kids, I think, is absolutely vital for a healthy upbringing. It all becomes focused on, on one thing. Mm. So, um, and I also talk in the book a lot about the sort of coarsening of our popular culture, and I think...
0: Yes, yes, I mean this is this is terribly important, uh, in the adolescent section actually. Yes. Uh, basically you're saying that this is just a lowering experience, isn't that right to so say?
1: I think so, yeah. What are you
0: talking about there, really? Well, then? I
1: just think the sort of garishness of, 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 of so much popular culture now. It's sort of in your face, it's trying to get your attention, it's shout- It's effectively shouting at you. And it's, a, it's a noisy, bright... I mean, I find it very difficult to look at most of it now, especially sort of prime time TV. There's something incredibly um, disturbing, the kind of sinister about it, I find. It's, too, it's, it's trying to grab your attention in really quite coarse ways. Um, and I advise uh, children, actually, and adolescents to, 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 to explore the online world, to, to, the, the, the long-form interviews, the long-form discussions, the the Peter Whittle shows, obviously that sort of thing, mentioned in the book, (laughs) (laughs) Um, but there's so much out there, there's such a rich vein of really thoughtful, decent-minded, honest debate Mm. that that isn't partisan necessarily, um, that that broadens the mind in a a really healthy way, whereas I think the mainstream has lost sight of that now. I think it's become, too self-obsessed in a way, it's mm. too conscious of its own um, incredibleness, that it's, it feels too, too important to itself. It's self-important mm. and it's lost its ability to entertain, inform, all those gentle things which the Wreathian mm. um, structure avowed, which was, you know, it was a sort of selfless way of spreading good, spreading the news, mm. spreading, spreading the word, spreading entertainment um Mm. rather than it being a prescribed this is this is sort of this is what you will watch because this is what you think we think will be you know sort of healthy for you and but it's 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 become very um yeah broad broadly coarse and 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 unattractive i think and i don't think it's healthy for, for for any of us really to to look too much of it it's 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 the physical narcissism
0: as well that's striking yes. isn't it yeah i mean on this instagram and social media it's quite extraordinary isn't it? it's all yeah. about the physical
1: yes yeah. yeah which of course for for, for vulnerable adolescents is, is, the, is the worst sort of uh, yeah. um, message to be told that you know that uh, you know you in order to be light you have to be attractive in order to be light you need to have a certain hairstyle and i think this this goes across popular music as well i mean i, I don't want to sound like a boring old fuddy-daddy because obviously there's a lot of good stuff out there, but I think there's a cynicism that's taken over a lot of popular culture, which means that bands maybe who are, who are talented and who may need a lot of work to get out there are, are being denied, whereas a sexy girl who can shake her booty will be sort of, I don't know, molded to a very sort of generic mm. form of entertainment, which just feels just demoralizing and cynical rather than uplifting. Hmm. And I think it's that lack of feeling uplifted by the media um, that I think is so missing, which people crave, actually.
0: You know, uh, some people have remarked that the, the whole woke thing going on at the moment, this sort of cult of woke, which seems to have taken over the culture, has a religious feel about it. I mean, do you think that the people who indulge in kind of the more extreme versions of Woke are in fact trying to find some sort of meaning?
1: Oh they're hungry, they're hungry for meaning and I, I don't, I I don't have animosity towards them, I I, I feel that they are lacking meaning and that Mm -hmm. that there isn't, there isn't a constructive meaning out there for them to latch on to. So obviously when that doesn't exist, you go to the, the, the closest thing and I don't think it's fulfilling for them. I don't think it's a long-term strategy for finding meaning or purpose. And I think, in the end, it's demoralising and rather sad, frankly.
0: One thing that's always said about love is that love conquers all. Mm. Love gives us meaning. Do you think that's true for men? Do you think that meaning can be got from just simply love? I mean, the way that we look at romantic things now Mm. is we find our soulmate or we find our other half. You hear this all the time, gives us meaning. Do you think that that is a successful aspiration for men to have?
1: I think it is, but I think it's also, again, it's been um, over romanticized and over sexualized, a lot of it. So that um, I think, for instance, I talk in the book about about online dating and how that's sort of coarsening the whole coming together of men and women and uh, the entitlement and the, 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 the too much choice. And all these things, I think, are moving away from that fundamental ability of, of love to, to bring us meaning. And I think actually love is a, is, is a very delicate balance of selflessness and, and giving. And I think the selflessness thing, which comes with marriage, which comes with a deep, committed relationship, that is so important, but it's it's been it's it's been forgotten about. I think in in, a, in this selfish society, selflessness can offer us huge amounts of fulfillment and meaning, mm. and yet we rarely talk about it as a as a way of 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 meeting that sort of need for love. But you, that it takes sacrifice in order to find true love, and we don't like sacrifice.
0: I think people, as you say, feel entitled; feel it's their due. Mm but also, you know, people, you hear people say, oh, I'm spiritual. You talk about the dating game. Mm. This is one of the old, oh, I'm, yes, I'm a spiritual person. Yes. Yeah. So what actually do you mean, spirit, what do you mean? And they, they've got this hazy idea. What it actually comes down to is they think about themselves a lot.
1: Exactly. Have you ever been on a yogurt retreat? Uh, I mean, it's- <laughs> actually, I have, actually. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Yeah. Um, no. yeah, for all their talk of um, oneness and spirituality, yeah. I've often found, I'm going to lose a lot of people here, but I've found some, not all obviously, but um, some of that crowd, I think, are totally self-absorbed. And it's very ironic because their their entire raison d'etre, through yoga, is to get beyond the self, but I think there's a lot of vanity there and narcissism that whole yoga speak i think uh, it's, it feels a bit like woke speak to me it's mm. a kind of meaningless jumble of words that sound interesting but actually don't mean anything and of course if you press them on what they actually mean by their spirituality they'll they'll run a mile if they if you mention the word religion because they they can't you know to be truly spiritual you need to commit mm. your life to something and believe in it wholeheartedly i think what happens with the spiritual lot you 're talking about is they pick and choose I have a bit of yoga there, a bit of Buddhism there, yeah. um, obviously not Christianity because that 's old and boring and and you know what mum and dad used to do so Christianity is usually the the, the last thing on people 's minds, but it 's a, a matter of picking and choosing things that that make them feel important mm-hmm. or it's a sort of virtue signal in a way, I think. Some of totally, abs-
0: totally absent of, of judgment as well. Yeah. You, can't make, you can't discriminate or make any form of judgment. No, of course. That, that's the, the yeah. route to success. I think it's fascinating. I mean, just, you know, on, on a lighter note, to me, you know, James, I'm, you know, I'm going to be 60 in a few weeks' time. Mm. Um, what should I be doing? according
1: to this. <laughs> well, you're not in the old the old age I'm camp okay. yeah, well 66 is apparently that's where I started 66 yeah. is the official t- um when you can pick up your pension and right. you become a senior citizen officially. Okay. Um, I think that's probably going to go up actually as we as our as our time spans increase, but uh, I think as we enter the autumn years, it's important to not to get set in our ways, I think. A lot of older people become grumpy and resentful because they look back on their life and think god what have I actually achieved or what did it all mean and rather than being grateful for what they've got or what you've had or the incredible experiences that you've had you tend to to to, to feel disappointed and let down I think that often also happens I talk about this in the middle years as well that midlife crisis point where you think what the hell is this all about what have Mm. I done Mm. what have I achieved Mm -hmm. and you look back the vast shipwreck, shipwreck of your life's esteems," to quote uh, John Clare, the poet, and you think, God, what, what was that? Mm. And I think that can also happen in an older age as well, and we have to really watch for it because it can, it can make, us, make us bitter and twisted and resentful. We start to fall out with our loved ones, We've all seen the bitter old men sitting on park benches shouting at ducks. You know, <laughs> you know they, they, They're turning over their lives and they're, they're not grateful for what they've achieved. You know, we don't need massive achievements to, to feel a sense of well-being at the end of our lives. We need to know that we've treated other people with respect. We've put other people's needs before our own. We've been selfless. We've loved. We've given. We've been generous. All these things, they're not massive you know, achievements necessarily. There's, it's not, you know, curing world hunger, and it's not also not about the incredible journeys that we've made on travelling and all the sexual conquests and and the experiences in that. Right, all that stuff when you're on your deathbed doesn't even cross your mind. It's how you've been with other people and what you're leaving to the world.
0: Well, I think what is quite timely about this actually is. We're, we are now, as this interview is going out, in, a, in another lockdown mm. uh, and this is the sort of time where people have been thinking about this kind of thing. What is this all about? You know, mm. because they've been stripped, to a great extent, haven't they, of the kind of distractions. Yes. So, uh, yeah. it's a good time to read your book. Yeah. It's The Seven Ages of Man, How to Live a Meaningful Life. It's out now, isn't it? Out now. So yeah. you can get it on, on Amazon. Yeah. Thank you very very much, James. Thank All you. the very best for it. And I uh, hope it does does well. It's a, it's an interesting book. Great. Thank you Thank very you much. So much. Uh, that's it for this week on to what you're saying is. Um, we will be back next week. Uh, in the meantime, please don't forget to subscribe, won't you? Thanks very much. Bye.